This is the Retail Politics Podcast. Here we strive to give you the best political information about your nation. One download at a time. Here's your host, former congressional correspondent and award-winning reporter, Jerry Shields. Welcome and thank you for once again giving us 30 minutes of your precious time. As today, we celebrate the Christmas season and wish all those who do celebrate a happy holiday. And today we're going to do, as we did last year, to talk about those less fortunate at this time, which is uh, uh, the homeless. I became interested in um, combating homelessness when I was about 16 in Philadelphia, and it was a very cold night. And I stepped into a subway and saw about two dozen people lining with the steps. And I remember looking into their faces and seeing women who were old enough to be my grandmother and young enough to be my sister. And this was all occurring within a mile of where our country started, which was Independence Hall. And today we have 614 billionaires in our country, yet have hundreds of thousands of people sleeping on our streets. And we're going to talk with Eve Garrow, who is the homelessness policy analyst and advocate at the ACLU of Southern California. Welcome, Eve. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So you, your organization is has an interesting proposal. You want to make homeless uh, people a protected class, which would be similar to race, gender, and religion. Tell me a little bit about that idea. This idea really came out of our frustration um, with some of the work that we do trying to protect the rights of people who are unhoused in, in Southern California and really all over California. So as you said, in California, being unhoused, being homeless is not protected under our anti-discrimination law. And therefore many forms of what are like actually blatant discrimination against unhoused people are very difficult for us to challenge using legal advocacy. So for example, bringing lawsuits and engaging in litigation, we often have to come at uh, our legal advocacy sort of sideways. So for example, if the people that we're representing um, are disproportionately represented by those with disabilities, um, then we can bring a suit based on disability-based discrimination But quite honestly, when you think about homelessness, it is it really is um, a widely recognized and disparaged and just highly stigmatized social category in our society that is routinely discriminated against, harassed and subjected to all form, all kinds of uh, state violence by local governments, the state, um, and and so forth, and really deserving of protection under our anti-discrimination laws. Very fascinating idea. And um, talk a little bit about California. You have about 160,000 homeless on the streets of California. It's very much a crisis there. And that is uh, about half of the national um, amount of people on the streets. And um, I know it's been a real big issue there. And uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on. It is real. You reach crisis levels out there. It really has. I mean, anybody who lives in or visits California, it's immediately, um, I mean, you can immediately tell that it is is a crisis here. Um, 
I live in Southern California. I, I used to live in downtown Los Angeles. And I mean, you just see the crisis growing um, week by week, month by month, year by year. It, it has really reshaped the landscape. And there is there is so much suffering about, you said, the, and, and that's right, that over 50% of all people who are living in unsheltered places, so that means like in their cars or on the streets, streets right. or in tents and things like that mm-hmm. in California. Among unhoused people in California, about 70% of them are living in places not fit for human habitation. And the places wow. that are supposedly wow. fit yeah. for human habitation, such as shelters, are often just flagrantly unsafe and unsanitary yeah. and sometimes downright abusive so mm-hmm. that people ch- actually choose to live out on the streets instead of go to a shelter because the shelters are not places that anyone would want to live. So people are really between a rock and a hard place. And just like one other thing I'll say is that one of the causes of this is just California is so wealthy, but unequal. Mm -hmm. And it has made a political decision not to commit the resources Mm -hmm. necessary to provide safe, permanent, affordable, subsidized housing to everyone who qualifies. And at the same time, market rate rents just continue to spiral out of control. So what do our policymakers think is going to happen, right? People get pushed out Mm -hmm. of their housing. The only safety net is really family so if you don't have family, then you're you're out of luck and you're mm-hmm. on the streets. And most of it, um, at least out there, and I think probably through the country, is an affordable housing issue. It's just that the housing is not affordable. Is that what's driving it out in California? The housing is not affordable. So I'm in I'm in Southern California in places like Orange County. Um, it you know in the private market, you need an annual income of between like sixty and seventy thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. to afford a one bedroom apartment mm-hmm. at market rate, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a lot of people, a lot of the folks who I know who are unhoused, they have zero income. Yeah, <laughs> sure. you know, they cannot afford market rate housing. And then, like you said, affordable, subsidized, permanent housing is just really difficult to access, I'll just give you like one anecdote. This is for LA city. So, you know, every city or county um, does provide, you know, it used to be called section eight, but housing choice vouchers, um, subsidized affordable housing for people who qualify, permanent supportive housing for our chronically homeless people who need supportive services, you know, in addition to um, safe, permanent, affordable housing. But the wait list for housing choice vouchers in LA city was so long, they just closed the list. And mm-hmm. that list stayed closed for 13 years. Wow. 13 years, you couldn't even get on a list for subsidized affordable housing. It opened for two weeks in October of 2017, mm-hmm. for two weeks. And the people who applied were put in a lottery for 20,000 wow. spots. Right. So then what happens if you're lucky enough to be chosen in the lottery for a spot on the wait list? You can expect to wait or those folks could expect to wait 
another 11 years to get to the top of the list. So, you know, just doing my basic math, if you could wait up to 24 years, an entire generation Mm -hmm. to access subsidized affordable housing, that's that's the problem. That's the issue right there. And I know that California and Governor Gavin Newsom has committed, I think, $10 billion over two years, which I think is the largest investment that the state has made into uh, homelessness. Found some of that money going to affordable housing, the other going to services. Uh, seems like a lot of money, but probably doesn't make much of a dent in the issue out there. It will make a dent, but like all previous, you know, like, yeah. obvi- I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding, right? But like mm-hmm. with all previous um, commitments of funding, it it is just not adequate to meet the need. Mm-hmm. It will maybe serve, I don't know, I think I, uh, I think I figured it out at one point, something like a quarter of all people who are out on the streets on any given day. Mm-hmm. And that's that in itself, those counts that we talk about are only a small fraction of people who cycle in and out of you know, being housed um, during any particular period of time because it's just a snapshot. And this exists, and I remember talking uh, last year about this pretty much exists um, because there is no political will to take it on. We talked a little bit about uh, homelessness among veterans has been cut in half, I would say, over the last 10 years. But that same kind of... um, effort has not been on the whole population. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And and even that is for veterans who are chronically homeless, which is not all veterans who are unhoused, right? It's people with for who have been on the streets for a long time with mental health disabilities and things like that, because those folks are are generally prioritized, although our obviously our policies are not, you know, entirely responsive to these vulnerable folks either. But um, yeah, the lack of political will, I think in part, um, the blame can also be put on our public officials who routinely, you know, instead of meeting the needs of our most economically vulnerable Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. members, they pass laws and ordinances. (laughs) This is like one of the reasons why we really need um, to to create a protected you know protected status for folks who are unhoused to protect to protect them from discrimination because what local governments often do is discriminate against people instead of meeting their needs to sort of disappear them right yes. to yes. harass them and harass them until they are either in jail forcibly segregated in a mass shelter. Um, forcibly banished. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I am a, a, a researcher. So, um, so I've done investigations on a lot of these practices and talked to the folks who were subject subjected to these practices, but forcibly banished by law enforcement to places mm-hmm. like the Mojave desert sure. or remote river beds, mm-hmm. things like that, that sort of teaches the general public that these people are should be held accountable for what is actually a structural problem, right? A political problem. Mm-hmm. That the survivors of our unjust and unequal system should be blamed and punished rather than helped, right? Yeah. 
And this, this contributes, I think, to the lack of political will to actually help and provide aid to those who need it most. But I, I also want to say that just, just as bad as that, um, public officials then justify harassment, mm-hmm. discrimination, persecution of folks who are unhoused by depicting them as a threat to public health and safety, mm-hmm. as somehow like defi- deficient in some way, or just willfully not playing by the rules, um, or really as less than human. So really dehumanizing people. Mm-hmm. And that does, you know, that does, you <laughs> know, the minds of a lot of folks um, then justify punishing rather than helping people with the greatest needs. So, I mean, there are, I think, a lot of reasons for the lack of political will. It also has to do with the fact that the group we're talking about is not only highly stigmatized and misrepresented, but also um, just has very little political power. So that that's why we need to stand with folks. And it, it's really weird. I mean, I think uh, our country claims about 70% of us being Christians and a lot of the policies and, and uh, the uh, efforts that have the, the, the community here and the policymakers it just doesn't come off as very Christian. Tell me a little bit about how you got into homelessness. This in, Into this issue area? Yes. Well, I've, I don't know, I've always just kind of had the 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 social justice bug <laughs> it's mm-hmm. um you know it's it's something you know no matter what job i've had i've kind of you know devoted my life to social justice in previous work i had also worked stood with and worked on behalf of um you know marginalized and oppressed populations this is the first job that I've had, in it, and I've had this position since 2014, um, mm. which the job itself has really been a blessing to be able for, mm. you know, just personally for me to be able mm. to do this kind of work. But um, it's the first job that, that I've had that focuses exclusively on houselessness, mm. both advocating for the affirmative right to housing, which I think is very important, but also standing with people and fight you know, in their fight against unjust and cruel um, treatment by law enforcement, by city governments, by county and and state governments. So, um, so yeah, I I don't really, I don't have like a good explanation for why homelessness, the opportunity presented itself, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was very attractive to me because I both I both love a challenge and for me personally I don't think there's a better way to spend my life sure, than in sure. service of a, you know an issue like this. And uh we we know that um much of this is driven also by mental illness and addiction. Uh, how much what is the percentage would you think of um those unsheltered out there are suffering from mental illness and um addiction issues? You know, certainly, I don't know the exact percentages. It's a bit higher than the general population. Right. Um, perhaps surprisingly, not as much higher as you would, uh, or it, perhaps not as high as you would think. Um, I think that the the issue is is sort of complicated because 
living without a house can both be a consequence mm-hmm. of, you know, mental health disabilities, mental health issues, other, you know, other like um, intersecting forms of, I, I'm going to say oppression, because if we, if we truly responded to the mental health needs and yeah, sure, um, people sure. in our society, sure, then, sure. you know, then, then they wouldn't be, they yeah. wouldn't become houseless. But, um, but so it, it, it can be a cause, but it's also definitely a consequence mm-hmm. of just the, the severe stress on your body, on your mind, on your spirit mm-hmm. um, of being unhoused, especially when, and, you know, I don't know how many people I've, over the years, I'm going to say like hundreds, if not thousands, you know, of mm-hmm. people living on the streets who I've talked to, they will express uh, just a real um, dis- sort of like they feel disheartened and a real disappointment with our society. They see a, a side mm-hmm. of our culture and society that most people like, thankfully, but most people just don't get a chance to see. And that is that when, when you have the greatest needs, your government turns on you Mm. instead, oftentimes, instead of helping you. And that and, and the general public sort of fears, uh, some people at least sort of fear or hate you for no reason other than you can't afford market rate mm-hmm. housing, right? Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. are a survivor of this system. Right. Um, and, and that is that, you know, you, you, you find comfort where you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember just a small anecdote talking to a gentleman I knew in, who lived in Laguna Beach and he had been unhoused and unsheltered for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, he drank alcohol mm-hmm. to get himself to sleep at night because he said, Eve, I'm sleeping on the, I'm sleeping outdoors mm-hmm. on the concrete, you know, if I don't drink, I can't fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I will be up all night, you know, mm-hmm. every night because it's it's hard, it's painful, I get cold, you can't get warm. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes it's just like a survival strategy too. Right. I know that's like more than the answer to your question, but No, about <laughs> it, it gives you I mean it, substances take the pain away and that's why people something take to them. take the pain away and that's yeah. why people say and it's so true i mean the the research um supports this that housing is a form of health care people get oh, better yes. you don't need those survival strategies anymore once once you have a warm house a door to yeah. lock that kind of thing yeah. Well, I mean, it goes back to the cave people, right? I mean, that's what they did to stay alive. You you, you have something, somewhere to go, and you got a roof over your head, and you stay out of the elements. And it's fundamental. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's fundamental. That's right. Yeah. And what kind of uh, pushback have you got from your proposal to uh, make uh, homeless uh, folks a um, protected class? You know, we're at the beginning of this campaign. We haven't received pushback as of yet but we expect it right because this is a big this is a big idea it is it would be you know in in some sense a game changer on many levels i mean i think for me we we both need this protection for our legal advocates so that to give them a tool that a very much needed tool that they can use to fight discrimination mm-hmm. but it's also like a narrative changing mm-hmm. um tool because it reframes um some of these 
some of these strategies that the mm-hmm. state uses to, de- mm-hmm. to persecute people, not right. as deserved punishment, but as a form right. of discrimination. And most right. people, I think, in our country and in California understand that discrimination is wrong mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. you know, our local governments and the state should not be discriminating against people. So, um, so in that sense, it's, you know, for the powers that be that would like to continue to um, persecute people instead of help them as they have been doing, it's a, it will be a very dangerous um, proposal. Uh, but we, you know, we are just at the beginning of the legislative cycle for next year mm-hmm. and, um, and things haven't quite heated up yet. You can check back later <laughs> with me. Yeah, I would think, I guess, the big concern in, in, in it would be like opening the door to like a wider door to other organizations or other people and other, other people to be into these protected classes. I guess that would be probably the, the biggest um, objection to it. Um, how is California doing? I know Governor Newsom is, is really, you know, as much as anybody in California. And how is he doing with this issue? Well, we don't, we don't know. Uh, we haven't introduced a bill yet, so we'll see. Uh, next next year in 2022, um, if if and when we introduce the bill, um, we will see you know the the reception both by the governor's office and you know legislators in the important committees that the bill would would have to go through. So it's you know it's not clear. I mean I'm I'm very hopeful that you know, all of our legislators and the governor would agree with us that discrimination is wrong and that unhoused people are routinely, I mean, on a daily basis, a lot of people discriminated against by mm-hmm. local governments and sometimes the state. Mm-hmm. And that if, if you put those two statements together and you agree with both of them, mm-hmm. we need a solution. Governor Newsom has seemed to, um, you know, put a little more effort into the homeless um, issue. Um, Has he done that? Uh, He says it's one of his signature issues. And like I said, we, you know, he has been very supportive of many, um, you know, much of the, many of the policy developments that we have seen over the last couple of years, I would say, especially since the pandemic, mm-hmm. that have reached, that have at least touched and helped a fraction, right, of our unhoused population. It it has been more than mm-hmm. what we have seen in the past, mm-hmm. but we need to keep pushing because for the people who, for example, have been you know, housed in motel rooms, people right. with underlying health conditions and so forth um, because of the pandemic. That was great for them, but it didn't reach everyone. And right. so we have to fight until every, it, it, not even a majority, you know, of folks who, who are unhoused and unsheltered in California. So we just have to keep fighting until until we have an appropriate response, mm-hmm. which would mean for me that everybody has access, immediate access to mm-hmm. a safe, affordable home, you know, who is eligible for programs like that. And it was interesting, too. I think California had a couple of issues that I was impressed with. One was the, the $3 billion bond referendum. But we just realized, I heard that there was like $2.7 misappropriated. What happened there? 
oh, I think I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was, so they had a bond another, reference. Yes, another yes, episode. yes, <laughs> yes, and exactly. And then the other thing was, um, you know, they had the tax, the half penny sales tax, which I thought it was a great idea because, you know, when politicians tax, then they get thrown out of office. But if people tax themselves and, and the, the PFP, I think it was of Los Angeles, said, hey, okay. Right. But even that money has not even come close to the need out there. And, Look, uh, and it, yeah, one yeah, yeah, that is so right, and I'm glad you're bringing this up. And and again, I feel like it it's so opaque. Mm-hmm. And this is this is I I feel like it would take a really in depth investigation to figure out where things have gone, you know, off the tracks a little bit mm-hmm. here. Um, when you're talking about large sums of money like this, and then people who really need the, you know, need the support now. Right. Right. And, and things sort of like getting tied up, you know, uh, money going to consultants and whatever. I think that, I think perhaps what I can say is that a lesson for me, and it's a lesson we apparently need to learn over and over again, that when you're talking about ostensibly really good, you know, and positive um, policies, there cannot be enough emphasis on transparency mm-hmm. and accountability. Without that, you know, the, uh, the, these, these policies cannot unfold behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not fair to the people living out on the street who are depending upon our policymakers to really expedite, you know, these programs and get them the relief that that they need. I mean, people are dying out there. It's it's really, really important. And that's a good point to end it on, because I think that's a good uh, message that you sent out there to our policymakers and our our political leaders, those we elect to uh, to, uh, you know, kind of govern our society. So I think that's great. And I thank you for coming on. It was a wonderful discussion and uh, good luck in your efforts out there. Thank you so much. And and really, it was a pleasure to join you. And 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 thanks for the thoughtful questions and discussion. All right. And uh, before we go again, we want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas who's celebrating. And if you get a chance, uh, pick up my children's book, Harry the Homeless Christmas Tree. My was about uh, my kids were about 10 and I'd had a couple books published. And they said, Dad, publish a children. You know, we want to do a children's book. And so I, I wanted to teach them a lesson. So I came up with this little story and I had them do the cover and the illustrations and were able to sell it. And all the profits go to homeless agencies. You can get it on Amazon again, Harry the Homeless Christmas Tree. And uh, we will be back next week with another thrilling edition of the Retail Politics Podcast. Until then, always remember to read beyond the headlines. Merry Christmas. Have a great week. With the front row, award-winning reporter Gerard Shields takes you into the vanishing world of print news to a time when stories were reported, not invented or twisted. Imagine you have press credentials in the front row with Shields throughout his decades-long newspaper career covering political corruption, scandal, and heroics during the critical events of our time. With dozens of Amazon five-star reviews, Shields' latest work, The Front Row, is a passionate study of American journalism while delivering his own invaluable life lessons. The Front Row by Gerard Shields. Available now at Amazon.com.